0: Well, good morning, and let me add my welcome. My name's Rob, and I am our site pastor out at Capitol Pres. Fairfax. We're in a new spot for a season out there, the Sherwood Center. Come visit us sometime. It's a beautiful space to worship. We've got a nice park near us, the Van Dyke Park. There's a skate park right there. Um, I don't think it made it into the announcements this morning, but David Stevenson and JT Tarter are actually going to be doing a skateboarding demonstration out there for Father's Day. A uh, little known fact, uh, they've toured skate parks before. Uh, they've got a duo called Rad Dads, and uh, none of that's true, but I really wish that it was. Um, it's been exciting to regather as a community out there in Fairfax. It's been exciting that God's bringing new friends to join our family of faith. I'm excited to be here in McLean with you this morning. If you're joining us on live stream, we're glad that you're with us. This morning we're carrying on in our, season, uh, our uh, series in Ephesians. And you might remember we're in a mini-series of sorts. We started a few weeks ago where we're uh, seeing what Paul has to say um, about the church, about us as Christians, the gifts that he's given us and how we're supposed to use them. Last week, Bill helped us navigate verses 7 through 14, and um, he reminded us of the gifts that Christ has given us and why Christ gave us those gifts to build up the church. Uh, We just heard read verses 11 through 16. Really this morning, we're going to focus on those last two verses, verses 15 and 16. But before we go any further, I'm going to pray and ask God to speak to us. So would you pray with me? Mighty and merciful Father, by your Spirit, help each and every one of us to to know the grace that is found in Christ. Give us eyes to see, maybe for the first time, the beauty of Christ. Give us ears to hear what all this means for our lives. Save us from distraction and grant to me your peace and your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at these uh, couple verses, we're going to key in on three components that really stand at the center of Paul's teaching about the church and how we relate to each other and how we speak and interact with each other. We're going to focus on three themes this morning, all right? You ready? Truthing, loving, and growing. You got that? Truthing, loving, and growing. Point number one, truthing, you say to yourself, that's not a word, right? Um... And then you think to yourself, it was mentioned at the congregational meeting that Rob's from North Carolina. So maybe he doesn't know that's not a word. <laughs> or maybe he does know that's not a word, and this is his lame way of just trying to make his outline fit together. False on both accounts. All right, I know it's a word. Uh, here's why we're talking about truthing. It's because in verse 15, um, when Paul says rather speaking the truth in love, if you look at the Greek, he literally says rather truthing in love, right? And in the same way that it falls awkwardly upon our ear, the first century audience, when they would have heard it or read it, they would have had the same reaction, like, wait, what? It would have, this is an awkward and odd and rare instance where he's turning a noun into a verb. So he's saying rather truthing in love. And before we talk much uh, further about truth, it's, I think it's helpful to touch on this, right? When we, we talk about truth, sometimes right out of the gate, we have a few challenges. Um, I think for most people in Northern Virginia, the idea that there is a truth can be a challenge. Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Uh, the idea that someone would say that they have the truth or that there is a universal truth that applies to all people in all times and all ways, that can be a challenge right out of the gate. Sometimes you'll hear the story told, right, of... Um, five blind men and an elephant, you know, and they're each kind of grasping a different part of the elephant and they're giving radically different descriptions, right? And it kind of is used to support the relative nature of truth. The problem with that and using that story to support that notion is that the story presupposes, it necessitates that there is someone who sees, Right, There is a fundamental truth seer there. And so, uh, friends, I would suggest we can't escape these fundamental truths that we believe and base our lives upon. They're there. And um, for some this morning or for some of our neighbors, it might ju- just be the, the nature of truth that's a challenge. But sometimes it's the relationship of truth and power. Right? Sometimes people will say, well, if you make truth claims, what you're doing is you're creating power structures. You're sanctioning some and you're excluding others. And so we want to avoid truth claims because those are all really just power plays. Right? You see this in postmodern thinkers. Michel Foucault is one that comes to mind. And so, um, again, the challenge is um, saying that we should avoid truth claims because they are uh, ways to create power structures is a truth claim in and of itself, right? That creates a power structure that you're supposedly trying to avoid. And friends, we really don't need to have postmodern thinkers talk to us about truth and power because Paul does it in our passage this morning. Right, verse 15 starts with the word rather, which points us back to verse 14. Remember, Bill talked about verse 14 last week. And there are those who are coming and teaching truth to the church in Ephesus. And Paul says, there are those that are coming that are deceitful. And they're teaching doctrines in a way that they would like to control you. Um, And we want you to not be children, infantile, swayed to and fro. But be aware there are those who are teaching to deceive you. Don't be like that. Um, You teach truth. You do your truthing in love. All right, and when, when Paul's talking about truthing in love, he's not just talking about generic truth, but he's talking about sharing a truth and truthing with one another in love. And yes, this truthing means speaking, but it also means living with each other in a way, our whole attitude towards truth. Um, and this truth isn't a generic truth. I'll tell you this. I used to think that like speaking the truth in love just meant, hey, so when you say hard things, just say them in a nice way. Like, that's what I thought it meant generically, right? Like, that's what this verse meant. Like, hey, Rob, you are terrible at math. But, you know, you're really tall, so hey, there's, there's that, you know? <laughs> like. And there's, there's biblical wisdom to saying hard things uh, in, in gentle ways. But um, what Paul's talking about here is... Um, When he speaks of truth, he's talking about the truths of the gospel. The context lets us know that. He's talking about, speak about who God is and who we are in him. And speak about um, what sin is and what it does to us and those that we love. Speak about where life is found and where hope is. It's that. That's what truthing and love, that's what he's talking about. That's what the body should be doing is truthing and love. Um, If you ever spend some time with my wife, which is an activity I would highly recommend, um, you'll eventually probably hear her tell this story. It was early in our marriage. She was hanging out with a friend, a mentor of hers, this lady that was just a little bit ahead in life. And Liz was just kind of venting and sharing this story, these circumstances, unfolding it for uh, her friend to, to hear and This lady looks at Liz, and she's from South Georgia, all right? So she's got a good old beautiful southern accent. She said, as Liz is venting, she says, Oh, Liz, I'm so sorry you're in sin right now. Um, (laughs) You know? And Liz was startled. And it takes a lot to startle my wife, all right? But Liz was startled, and she kind of laughed. But she also saw that her friend was exactly right. Um, and her friend, her friend really was sorry because her friend didn't want to say this, took no pride or pleasure in saying it, but her friend loved her enough to let Liz know hey, um, you're missing the plot. Let me inform you what the gospel says to this situation that you're venting about. Uh, and because of that, Liz became more like Christ, and her friend became more like Christ, and the body grows, truthing. Um, we're going to talk about loving, but we, we do need to acknowledge there, there are other ways that we truth, and we've got to be careful about that. Sometimes our truthing is not done in love, but it's done in hurt, right? Sometimes we're hurt, and so we want to share some truth with somebody. Um, even, even gospel truth, maybe, but it's not in love, We're going to share this gospel truth because we've been hurt and we want to hurt someone back. Or we've been inconvenienced or we've been embarrassed. There's a lot of ways we can truth. Paul's talking about truthing and love. So let's move on to point number two. Point number one, truthing. Point number two, loving. All right, if you read the book of Ephesians, let me encourage you to do that this week. Just read the book of Ephesians. In fact, we're going to be in it the rest of the summer, so that's a good summer goal. Just once a week, read the book of Ephesians. This week, when you read it, underline the word love. You're going to see that the word love appears over and over again. It, it features prominently. It's trending in the book of Ephesians, right? Like... Um, At the end of the first half of the book, when Paul prays for them in Ephesus, he prays that they might know the love of Christ. And then in chapter 5, um, he says, walk in love just as you've been loved in Christ, right? Love is all over the place. Even if we look at these 16 verses here, the beginning of chapter 4, uh, we're told to bear with one another in love. We're supposed to be told to speak in love, and we're, talk- we're told how the body builds itself up in love. So if you're not smelling love in Ephesians, you're not smelling what Paul's cooking, all right? We need to see that love is all throughout it. So what does that mean for us? All this talk of love in Ephesians, it has at least two implications for us. Um, How we connect with one another and our disposition to one another. How we connect, how we view our connections with one another and our dispositions to one another. There's a TV show that came out a while back, aired a while back. It's called Parks and Rec. There is a character in it named Ron Swanson. And um, he's a gruff Stoic, you know, ardently libertarian uh, fella. And whenever one of his uh, co-workers asserts that they're friends with him, whenever they talk about their friendship with him, Ron always says that they're not friends. They are work proximity associates, right? Like he's, uh, he is always reticent to admit any kind of friendships with his co-workers, right? He just, he wants to remain distant aloof. Uh, and I wonder When it comes to our connections in the church, our relationships in the church, uh, have we adopted the uh, Ron Swanson model of church connections? Do we have, instead of substantive relationships with other people in the church, meaningful, spiritually vital relationships with other people in the church, do we just have um, Sunday morning proximity associates? For middle schoolers and high schoolers, do you just have um, D group or Sunday school proximity associates instead of real friends that know you and love you and that you know and love? Because that's what the church is supposed to be, right? Adults. Most of us are middle schoolers just trapped in larger bodies and more complex circumstances. But do you have real friends, substantive relationships with other adults in the life of the church? Because you desperately need them. You were designed to have them. And Paul makes it clear with all the ways that he speaks of love and affection throughout this letter and in this passage that that's what the church is supposed to be. This this connection to each other That is love. And I can hear the objection, Hey, Rob, um, there are literally hundreds of people here. Like, am I supposed to be kindred spirits, you know, bosom buddies with all of them? Um, No. But you should have some deep connections with some of them. Because I can't make any sense of the book of Ephesians when I read it. If I just think that the church is meant to be these loose acquaintances, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. All this talk of love speaks to our connection to one another, but it also speaks of our disposition to one another as well, that love should be the standard. Love is the goal in all of our interactions, whether you know each other well or not, whether you have those close relationships or not. When we're engaging with each other in the life of the church, in committee meetings, because we love us some committees, or, uh, you know, vacation Bible school, which is kicking off and we're excited about, in all of these places, as we're engaging with one another, the default is to show each other love. But we we need to be aware of this too, right? Um, Our theology tells us this, that we are going to wound and hurt each other. It's just a given. That's going to happen. So the question is, when we wound and hurt each other, when we say something we shouldn't have said in a way we shouldn't have said it, like how do we deal with that? Paul calls us to deal with that in love. And so um, are we just going to name it? Are we going to follow the biblical model of confrontation? Are we going to seek to reconcile? Are we going to repent? Because, friends, that's all truthing and love stuff right there. That's all speaking the truth in love. Or are we going to gossip? Are we going to slander? Are we going to, um, to cover up and conceal because that's the antithesis of truthing and love. And, and sadly, that, that stuff happens in the church all the time. Um, Paul highlights it there in verse 14, right? There's those that come in and teach truth um, in ways that seek to manipulate and control deceitfully. And that didn't just happen in the first century. Right then and now, there are those in the church um, that seem primarily concerned with control and manipulation, with acquiring some sort of power uh, in the church and over others. And many, unfortunately, know the wounds and abuse of that. And if that's you, um, we are deeply sorry. It goes against all that Paul speaks of here in Ephesians. Um... And when we talk about love, in the same way we should probably uh, we, we colored out truth and some of the things we need to say when we talk about truth, when we talk about love, we just want to be clear. As Christians, we don't have this uh, overly sentimental kind of Pollyannish notion of love. No, the scriptures are real clear about what love is. Think about what it says in John 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus says. Paul, when he writes a letter to the church in Rome, says this, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about Christ. Um, for Christ to speak the truth in love, He left the comfort of heaven in the presence of his Father to come to our hostile world. And he spoke the truth and love all throughout his ministry, Um, sometimes in words that were gentle and warm, sometimes in words that were firm and fierce. And his speaking the truth and love ultimately led him where? To the cross. Right And and, and there at the cross you see the grand display of truth and love for all to see. The truth of our brokenness and what it means and the depth of God's love. They meet there on the cross. And so when we speak about truthing and love, um, we speak about living in a way that we see that and are transformed by that reality. If you're... um, If you're a visitor here with us this morning, we're glad that you're with us. If you're investigating Christianity, it's that truth, the cross of Christ, that binds all of us together and changes everything. And it's the only hope that we have to go and speak truth and love with one another is if we've been transformed um, by the cross of Christ. Sometimes it's referred to as the cruciformed life. I didn't use that word this week, cruciformed, right? But cruciform, the shape of a cross, the cruciformed life, a life that's shaped by the cross of Christ, our words, our actions, how we speak, how we live. If we're going to be doing this true thing in love, it's when we see what Christ has done. For us, Right, friends, because when I see the Holy One, when I see him who knew no sin become sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God, the idea of treating someone smugly or looking down on them because they're not as theologically astute or sanctified as I perceive myself to be, that seems asinine. Right, when I see Christ on the cross, when I see him who was rich, become poor so that I might become rich. When I see him who promised me um, to give me all that I need, I can live a generous life. That's when I can bear one another's burdens and love is when I see that. Truthing, loving. Let's wrap up with growing. All right. I just want to break down what Paul says about growing here uh, in these last couple verses. He's made it very clear. This church in Ephesus and this church here in McLean and Fairfax, Northern Virginia, it should be growing. We should be growing. He says this, we grow up. Look, look, he says we, all right? He's including himself in this. When he's talking about growing in this passage, he's talking about all of us growing, all right? This is a corporate growth he's talking about. It's not just you as an individual Christian he's talking to. He's saying we grow up, all right? We grow up in every way, that, that is in all areas, in our unity, in our diversity, in our mercy, uh, in our peacemaking. We grew up in every way. We grew up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, right? Um, friends, we highlighted it on Wednesday. I'll highlight it again. We currently don't have a senior pastor, but we have a head. All right, it is Christ, and we are to grow up into Him, seeing how He lived in love, trusting in that to change us in love the same way. Um, We're supposed to grow up as a church so that we might experience the love of Christ and His truth and share it. And this uh, growth requires the involvement of every one of us. Paul talks, uh, he takes this body metaphor to, to a, an even deeper level, right? He starts talking about ligaments and joints and he talks about every one of them working together. It says, when each part is working properly. Let's pause there for a second. When each part is working properly, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, when each part is consuming properly. Right he doesn't say when each part has spent its requisite hours in the weekly worship meeting. No he says when each part of the body is working properly. Friends, that's when each one of us is using the gifts that we've been given uniquely, using the grace that we've been given uniquely. When each one of those each one of the parts is working properly, the body builds itself up in love. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. Question number one Capital Press family, McLean Press, Capital Press Fairfax, are we growing to look more like Jesus? The group of us, the lot of us, are we growing to look more like Jesus? Because, friends, we can have all the services and all the places that we want and all the Sunday schools, um, all the community groups and Bible studies we want. But if we're not growing corporately to look more like Jesus, then they're all in vain. I was convicted as I went through this passage this week, um, as I thought about our crew out there in Fairfax, and as I thought about my own heart and the, uh, the emotion and energy I often build around growing numerically out there in Fairfax. And you know, we can be unashamed about wanting to grow numerically, right? Because healthy things grow and um, more people coming and hearing about Jesus is always a good thing. But what I was convicted about is, um, do I have that same sort of um, emotion and energy around our Fairfax crew growing to look like Christ? Increasingly out there and increasingly here, are we growing to look like Christ, to reflect who he is, his truth and his love to our community? A couple more questions for us. Um, how do we explain the growth of this early church and, uh, and our presence here today. And here's what I mean by that. Remember the context, right? Um, remember the people that are receiving this letter there in Ephesus. Um, those Christians, um, they didn't enjoy a tax-exempt status from Caesar. You guys know that, right? Um, uh, they didn't exist in a culture or a context where monotheism was in vogue or their ethics aligned with popular culture. right? No, this community of Christians was a a minority, marginalized, persecuted. All the cards were stacked against them except for they had the spirit and power of Jesus Christ working in them and through them, enabling them to do this true thing in love in such a way that when the outside world saw it, they were captivated and compelled to say... What's that all about? I want to know more about that. And that gave them the opportunity to speak about who Jesus is. And, um, friends, the gods of, of Rome and Athens are nothing but relics and ruins. And today, June 20th, Jesus Christ is worshiped on every continent because of his work through his church. Last question. Where and how are you truthing in love? Or you need to go home. We need to go home, talk about it over lunch, journal about it throughout the week. Where and how am I truthing in love? Maybe it's by sharing the truth of Christ's love in our children's ministry, helping them to know his affection and his grace and where wisdom would lead them. Um, Maybe it's uh, mentoring some of our young adults. Right? Spending some time with a, a young lady, helping her connect the dots between her job and her relationships and the gospel. Maybe it's picking up a phone call. That's how you're going to truth, pick, picking up the phone and making a call. That's how you're going to truth and love this week is just call someone and encourage them. Maybe it's having a hard conversation. All right, Maybe maybe you know, maybe you've been thinking the whole time, I know the conversation I need to have. Uh, and it's going to be hard and um, you know you're going to need the spirit of Christ to lead you in that conversation because you don't have the love in and of yourself. But if you do it, the person you talk to will become more like Christ by God's grace and you will too. Where and how do you need to be truthing in love this week? The last few weeks we've been looking at Paul's teaching on the church. We've we've looked at its uh, unity and diversity, the graces we've been given, the growth that we're called to. And I'm going to close by praying for us and friends, my hope rest upon this reality. Uh, God cares more about his church than I do. God cares more about this church than I could ever imagine. We can rest in that. And and in his grace, he invites us to be a part of his work in the church. And uh, he invites you to use your gifts uniquely in this church. But I rest that God is committed to building his church. He's promised it will never fail. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ and all that we have in him. And Father, we know you love your people. We see throughout the scriptures all the ways that you care for them. We see throughout our lives all the ways that you've cared for us. And corporately, as a church body, we've seen your faithfulness for over 75 years, caring for us as one very small part of your kingdom. And so I pray for my friends this morning, and I pray for myself. Um, Show us how you would have us do this truthing and love. Show us how you would have us use your gifts. Our prayer is that the world around us, Northern Virginia, would see Christ through us, that increasingly we would grow to look like him and love like him and share his truth. Would you do this by your grace and for your glory? Amen.